When we need a shield, come on, somebody, he becomes one. When we're lacking a reward, he reminds us that he is one. When we're in trouble, he reminds us that he's peace. When we're angry, he reminds us that he's calm. When we're broken. And I'm excited for us to hop into uh, week number five of, a, of an eight-week series that we've been doing called Closer, Drawing Closer to God and Drawing Closer to People. And it, I, I mentioned this um, in, I believe, week number two, that um, I felt like we've been beating Abram uh, up throughout this series, but what I, what, I, what I told our church is that what I love so much about walking through the story of Abram, who eventually turns into Abraham and God changes his name, um, is that we just get to look at the humanness um, of how God uses a man and a woman. That's what I love so much about this. And what I love um, about walking through um, a particular section of the Bible and finding um, themes or a thematic flow um, is that we just get to grow under one principle and one topic instead of just kind of just wildly just jumping around every single week. And I have just seen the, the, the spiritual growth, the maturity, and the strength of you as we have walked through parts of the Bible um, over the last year or so like that. So um, this has been really, really, really good. It's been really, really, really great um, to be able to just walk through one thematic flow with you. It's been really, really good. So I'm excited as we hop into week number five um, of our series called Closer. And if you're going to, I've got, you've got a Bible this morning, Genesis chapter 15, 1 through 15. And if you don't, it's completely okay. I've got two really big Bibles. Come on, somebody to the left and to the right of me. And um, we made sure that our creative team turned on the house lights some for you, for all of my note takers, because we are, uh, we amen some around here. Come on, somebody. But we are more so a note taking church. Come on, somebody. They say note takers are world changers. Come on, somebody. Note takers are leaders. And uh, we love to take notes here at Core Church. I love it. I've been teaching a, a class called Preach One-on-One uh, for the last three weeks on Thursdays. And I said that when you step up on God on the platform, we don't call it a stage. We call it a platform because this is where we come to exalt God. Come on, somebody. It's not a stage. Stages is where you perform, but platforms is where you come to exalt our God. Come on, somebody. And I said every single time that we step on a platform, we don't, we don't preach for amens. We preach for life change. Because if you come up here every single week and you preach for amens only, you'll never preach again. Come on, somebody. But if you preach for, I said, there's no greater compliment for a pastor or a communicator or a preacher than for somebody to show you that the notes that they took while you were preaching. Come on. And um, so, man, I appreciate about that, that the information that we received, that the Holy Spirit downloads to us in this house, we take it and we apply it to our heart. Genesis chapter 15, 1 through 5, it says this, family. It says, sometime later, somebody say sometime later. You sound good. Come on. It says, later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. Some translations say that I am your shield. Come on, family. That sounds good. Come on. I am your shield. <laughs> but the New Living Translation says, for I will protect you. Some translations say that I am your exceedingly great reward. Come on. That feels good, too. But... This one says, and your reward will be great. Verse 2 says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord. Ooh, we family, this is so human of what Abram says here. What good all oh, your blessings when I don't even have a son? Wow. It says, since you have given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Verse number three says, you have given me no descendants of my own. 
So one of my servants will be my heir. Verse number four says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside. Come on, somebody. He takes him out of the tent that he was in. And said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Hmm. That's how many descendants you will have. Verse number six says, and Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am. Come on, somebody. The Lord who brought you out of the Earl of Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, oh, sovereign Lord, well, how can I be sure? Oh, come on, that's just like us. Come on. <laughs> how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. I find it interesting that in this moment, even though God was preparing Abram to sign this contract, to sign this covenant, that even in the midst of a promise, Abram still had to wait. God tells him that, hey, I'm about to make this thing real with you. I'm about to make it happen for you. But even while he was waiting, he had to chase some things away. Mm. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And a terrifying darkness came down over him. Last few verses, family. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can. Ooh, come on, that's it. You can be sure. I'm going to give you the good and I'm going to give you the bad. That your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. Well, they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I, but I, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. Last verse, as for you, as for you, Abram, as for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. Family, I want to speak to you in week number five of our series closer. There's comfort in your promise. Come on. There's, there's, there's comfort there's comfort. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to write that down. That's where we're going to find our burden today. There's, there's comfort in your promise. There's, there's comfort. There's comfort. There's comfort. There's comfort in your promise. Let's pray. God and Father, we thank you right now for who you are. We thank you that you are here with us. 
We thank you that you have already defeated what we're up against. Holy Spirit, use me, your imperfect vessel, to bring forth your perfect word. Things that need to be shared. Father, give me a heart to share them so freely. Things that need to not and be held. Help me to have the wisdom to hold them. Father God, may your spirit fall fresh on every heart that's in need of you. May your spirit fall fresh on every mind that needs your wisdom. Let your spirit fall fresh on every fleshly part of our body that needs healing. May we leave different than the way that we came in because of your touch. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Family, Abram, as we have been noticing, has gone through a whole lot. In our scripture reading today, we see that Abram finds himself inside of a tent with his feelings. One would imagine that as he backtracks through his thoughts, and as Abram thinks about what he's been through, he realizes through action that he's been faithful to God through battle. But Abram also realizes family and understands that he has been living faithfully disappointed. He's living faithfully disappointed because he understands that there are greater things from God on the other side that he has not experienced yet. Oh, come on, somebody. You ever been there? Where you have tasted and seen, come on, somebody, that the Lord is good, but the promise seems far. Where you have sacrificed, where you have obeyed God on every single turn, but the promise seems far. You've read your Bible. Come on, somebody. You've joined a core group. You have opened up your soul to those in community around you, but the promise seems far. You have fought through addiction. You have fought through curses. You have made it out alive. You have escaped the life of sexual promiscuity, but the promise still seems far. You've obeyed God every single place of your life. Come on, somebody. But your heart is still disappointed for lack of experience in what God promised you. And I've come to realize that my walk with God, in my walk with God, that if I only focus on what God has promised me, or if I only focus on what God should be doing for me, or what God can be doing for me, or how God should be providing for me, two things will always happen. I'll always either, family, find two things that will happen. I'll either find myself in constant state of disappointment with God, come on somebody, or I'll always find myself in constant disappointment with myself. I'm upset with myself because when it did, come on, I'm upset with myself because when it did not happen, I feel like I didn't have enough faith. Come on. Then on the flip side of that, I'm upset with God because I feel like he didn't deliver for me because I did something that made him not want to give it to me. Come on. Can we go there today? <laughs> Both theologically wrong, but this is what living in a state of disappointment does. Write this down. Living disappointed blinds you of God's goodness. Living. I should have put choosing to live disappointed. Come on choosing to live disappointed or living disappointed 
blinds you of God's goodness. Because somewhere, family, throughout the human experience or and in our walk with God, we started drawing closer to the promises of God, but started pulling further away from God. I'm going to draw closer to your promises, but I'm going to pull further away from you. So we start to only start to draw closer to the things that God has spoken over our life instead of just pursuing God because he's God and he loved us first. And, and come on. And sadly, so many Christians, we live in a state of disappointment and doubt because the only thing we know how to do is strive and reach for the promises of God instead of just allowing the Father to place the promise in our hands because of out of our love and our faithfulness to him. Let God bless you because you kept showing up out of faithfulness. Would you let God just bless you because you sacrificed for him when you didn't have to? Have you ever noticed that there's always struggle with what God promises, but never there's contention with God himself? <laughs> because I'm, because, come on, let's do this. Because I'm never really disappointed with the nature and the character of God. I love his grace. I love his mercy. I love his kindness. I love his favor over my life. But I do, come on, but I do find myself living in disappointment of having a full word from God, but only having pieces of what he promised me. Ooh, come on. Come on. Oh, come on. Y'all know how it is. Lord, you gave me a whole word to start that business, but I ain't to check it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, Lord, you told me that you were about to take me to another places, but I just got laid off from my job. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, come on now. You, you told me, Lord, that I was going to be a great spouse one day. Come on, somebody. But this dating scene is trash. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I wanted to call this message, make it make sense. Come on. <laughs> make it make Lord, make this make sense. Because the Bible says that God sees Abram in a tent and he speaks to him in a vision to remind him to not be afraid. God says that I will always protect you and that I'm your shield and that your reward will be great. Now, hear me. God understands very well and knows that Abram is a bit frustrated and also a bit afraid. Because Abram believes that his life, come on, here's some biblical context here. Because Abram believes that his life may be over because of the kings that he just defeated. They might be in retaliation after him. So he's sitting in this tent and he's a little afraid because he has no idea with what's about to happen next. So God literally in this moment reminds Abram, hey son, I'll protect you. And that whatever you have given up for me, whatever you have done for me, the reward that I have for you will be great because of your faithfulness. Write this down. God knows how to become the answer to our needs. He knows. Write that down. God knows how to become the answer to our needs. Let me say it this way. God has not, will not, and has not ever struggled with coming through for you and I. Come on. Never has struggled with it. When we need a shield, come on, somebody, he becomes one. <laughs> when, we're, when we're lacking, come on, somebody, when we're lacking a reward, he reminds us that he is one. When we're in trouble, he reminds us that he's peace. When we're angry, he reminds us that he's calm. When we're broke, come on, somebody, he reminds us that he is a supplier. God can become what you need. 
So we have to stop getting disappointment, disappointed with promises and just trust that God will deliver to you and I what he promised you and I. And, the, and, and this is the problem, and this is the problem with the human mind, is that we always have to make sense of a God who's supernatural. Come on. Be, because in every single turn where Abram gets frustrated, God literally has to remind Abram of who he is. He turns Abram's heart and his eyes back to him every single time. Hear me. Because if you'll, come on now, let's do this. Because if you'll only shout when the promise happens, but won't, but won't offer God any type of praise when the promise is unseen, you have to ask yourself, is my heart attached to promises or is my heart attached to the Father? That, that, that's the question and contention as a Christian that you have to ask yourself. I'm not saying that you have to ask this question so that you can beat yourself up with the question. The question should be asked so that when you do, come on somebody, obtain whatever it is that God has spoken over your life, you will not forget about the one who gave it to you. Because, watch this, because too often I have seen Christians receive the promises of God in humility, but then the moment, come on, but then the moment that they get it, they walk in arrogance. Lord, I received it in humility. But now that I'm on top, woo-wee, I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing whatever. All because they forgot about the promiser. All because they forgot about the God who gave it to them. Let's look at this interaction between Abram and God. Genesis chapter 15 through 5, it says this. Two, come on, I'm getting country. Two through five. Two through five. Come on. <laughs> hey, that's what happens when I start getting excited. But Abram replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? That since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit all my wealth. That you give, you've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Verse 5 says, then, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you have. Abram certainly appreciated the promise from God. But at the same time, to, but at the same time to Abram, the, come on somebody, the promise also felt a little bit empty. So out of disappointment, Abram is replying and saying to God, okay, I understand that you're my shield. I understand that you're my reward. But what good is you being my reward when I still don't even have what you spoke over me? Come on. Abram, Abram is having a Genesis chapter 11 and a Genesis chapter 12 flashback. Because, come on, somebody, because the promised son that he was promised in the very beginning of this entire journey has never left Abram's heart. But what God wants Abram to understand that if he's going to obtain what was spoken over him, that he must find comfort in the one who spoke it to him. Come on. It's because it's almost as if Abram is saying to the Lord, hey, Lord, okay, God, well, you give me a whole lot of stuff. Now just promise to give me some more. Because what you spoke prior about me having a son, it never happened. And, and to be honest, family, um, I can't even really get mad at Abram's honesty before God. Because instead of holding his frustration within his heart, he brought questions before God with an honest heart. Because to some degree, his questions doubted God. 
But what I've realized is, family, that there is a difference between a doubt that denies the promises of God and then there's a doubt that, that desires the promises of God. Come on, somebody. Because if I can, oh my goodness, because if I can pick on me for a moment, come on, somebody, there have been many times where I have been at the bottom of the impossible. I have sat at this altar for minutes, seconds, hours, not knowing whether or not I should go left or right. I have walked around places, and I have taken my shoes off trying to figure out if it was holy ground or not, and heard nothing from God. Did all of that and absolutely heard nothing for them, but did it kill what, the, but did it kill what I thought that God had for me? All it did was give me more of a fire to pursue God and not just what he spoke over me. God literally draws Abram outside of the tent to remind him that even in your disappointment, you just draw near to me and I'll show you what I can do for you. Come on now. Write this down. God gives glimpses of what he promises to strengthen our faith. Don't miss that. God Gives and this is woo, we I didn't this not even in my notes. This is this is the toughest thing about pursuing God. Woo. Getting glimpses of the promise. So for so to strengthen our faith. Let me say it this way: God gives you pieces of the story to show you that it's possible. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. And unfortunately, what it does is that it frustrates us when it really should comfort us. God asked Abram to go out and count the stars because he knows how much his children need to be reminded. And not only did God promise him, but he also confirms it with Abram with an illustration. This is what the text says. It says, and Abram believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous. What family? Because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, that I am the Lord who brought you out of the earth Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Now, what's interesting about the character of God is that the way that he gives his children their promises, gives, he gives it to us with so much certainty <laughs> that we'll think for a moment that it will be fulfilled right away. Come on. But the fulfillment of this promise to Abram family, watch this, was still 15 years away. Could you, could you just imagine if Abram actually knew that it was going to take 15 years to happen? <laughs> but could, could you imagine that what God speaks to you on out of day could take 15 years before you see it to completion? Ooh, better yet, let me ask it to you like this. Would you still want the promise of God if you knew it was going to take you 15 years? Mm. would you still want it? If God spoke a promise over your life right now and you knew that it would take 15 years, would you still love him for it? Because when I'm learning about the body of Christ, come on, somebody, that excitement will break out when you know that fulfillment is just five minutes away. But could there ever be a day where we could commune with God, serve God, love God, honor God, and worship God without knowing what's next? Come on, this we're gonna be we're gonna we, we're gonna go here today. Would you would you love him knowing that you could be sick for the rest of your life? Hmm. Would you love him knowing that you may never ever reach and, and reach millions and preach on platforms that your children were called to preach on? Would you love him knowing that the promises that were spoken over your life really ain't just for you? 
Would you be okay if you knew that the job that you are on right now, that you were retired there, would you still love him? Come on, somebody. Would you still love him knowing that you may never be rich? Would you still love him knowing that you may never obtain this, this, this thing and that thing? Would you still love him? I love that the text says that Abram, what, he believed the Lord. And he was counted righteous because of his faith. Come on, somebody. In this interaction, Abram fully trusted God. And then God reminds Abram that I'm the one to I am the one who brought you to the place where you are. So Abram asked God, well, how will I actually know that I'm actually going to get the place that you brought me to? Oof. And I love the fact, family, that we get to read the Bible after the fact. Because as we look at this carefully, I see that Abram is where he is. Watch this, not because of a promise, but because of his faith. Because if he would have, watch this, because if Abram would have moved based off of what he saw, then Abram would not have gotten very far. And one of the, and watch this, and one of the biggest hiccups in the body of Christ is that we, oh my goodness, is that we always have to experience something so dramatic in order to find comfort and strength in God. Oh my gosh. Oh, I gotta find, ooh, I gotta find, I gotta experience something so dramatic to believe him. I got to see something so powerful, something so next level to believe them. Write this down. Our faith should never run out, even if our promise seems empty. Our faith should never run out, even if our promise seems empty. I find it absolutely breathtaking that God would speak to Abram's doubt with the covenant promise. God counts Abram as righteous, but Abram still has questions. Remember that Abram has no title. He has no deed to this land. He has nothing to make anyone else believe that he actually owns the land. Think about that. He has nothing to prove this. All he had was a promise from God. This is what the text says. The text says the Lord told him. Genesis chapter 15, 9 through 15. It says, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old goat, female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land, where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great. But here it is, family. But he says, as for you. Because I was talking about everybody else right there. This, but that's for you. For you, my son, you, you. He said, you will. You're going to die in peace. As for you, 
It says, you will die in peace. But as for you, as for, this is, this is where, but as for you, you will die in peace and be buried at the right old. Abram understand, understood exactly what God was preparing him for. He understood it because this was a custom of his day. God literally tells Abram to prepare to get ready for a contract signing. In those days, you would sign a contract. You would cut an animal in half, and both parties would walk through the animal that was cut, and they would repeat the terms of the covenant over and over. So God knew. So Abram knew exactly what was about to happen next. This type of covenant would be so serious that it would be sealed with blood. God went as far as giving Abram an earthly sign just to show him that he did not have to worry. Tells him that he didn't have to doubt. That he no longer had to walk in darkness. That he no longer had to worry about what was going to happen. God says, let's sign a contract, Abram, so that I can help relieve some of your anxiety. But the interesting thing about, and the question that I have to keep asking myself over there, why is it that the promise, why is it that when God always promises you and I something, it always brings fear? Why do we do that? Whenever God promises you and I something, why do we always respond in haste? Whenever the, the moment that God speaks something over your life, here, oh my goodness, here, com here it comes. Because I'm trying to piece part with this promise. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to take this thing and I'm, I'm trying to make this thing happen. I'm trying to connect that thing to the word that happened over here instead of just trusting him. Here's the bottom line. The promises of God should make you anxious. They should give you peace. The promises of God should make you anxious. They should bring you peace. Why? Why? Because God is the comfort in your promise. Woo! There it goes. Because God, he's the, God is the, he's the, he's the comfort. He's the, he's the comfort in your promise. But too often I'll, but too often I'll, I'll find myself in conversation with people or in prayer with God complaining about where I am not. Come on. Because I'm, because I'm always, because I'm, because we are, and myself, we're always constantly measuring uh, just exactly. Well, Lord, where am I in what you spoke over me? And every single time I do that, it sucks the joy and it sucks the life out of pursuing God. I, oh my goodness, come on, help me, Holy Spirit. I will find myself in prayer, communing with God. Lord, well, I ain't, oh, I'm not where I thought I would be yet. Because you told, oh, you told me where the church was going to be. You told me where I was, what was going to happen. You told me about the resources that we would have one day. It's been two years. We're on year number three. And this don't look exactly like what you promised me. So I, find my, so I find myself in, with, in contention with God. I know what you spoke over my life, but I keep comparing it to my relationship with you. When I should just find comfort in what you spoke over me. 
my goodness, I hear the, oh my gosh, the body of, we do this all of the time. Well, pastor, I'm trying to figure, because God gave me this word, and now I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, how I'm going to make it. The promise from God should not give you anxiety. It should bring you comfort. It should, the, he says, as for you, Abram. He says, as for you. So you, you, you're going to die in peace. Because of the because all of the this is all that's all for them. But you're gonna die. You're gonna die in peace. Somebody needs to hear this. As long as the blood of Jesus Christ is working, your promise is still good on in heaven and in earth. Come on, come on. As long as the blood is still working, your promises is good. God did not. Ooh, come on, somebody. God did not speak a word over your life so that you should stress more. Hit, come on. Woo, my goo. Let that fall off. Let that fall off of somebody in here. Let it, let that fall off. I don't know who, let that fall off of somebody. God did not speak a promise over your life so that you can continue walking in fear. Let that fall off somebody. God did not speak a promise over your life so that you can be waking up in the middle of the night trying to figure out how you're going to piece it together. Let that fall off somebody. God did not speak a word over your life so that you should be waking up in the middle of the night trying to check your bank account, trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Let that fall off of somebody. God, come on, somebody. God did not speak a word over your life so that you can just continue to walk more insecure. Let that fall off of somebody. God did not speak a word over your life so that you can continue fighting and swinging on everybody, trying to figure out how you're going to work it out. Let that, whoo, let that fall off somebody. God did not speak a word over your life so that you would be walking in anxiety, so that you can keep walking in depression, so that you can keep fighting your way through darkness, that if you keep trying to figure out how you're going to make a way for this thing, let that fall off of somebody. The most reoccurring theme I have seen in full-time ministry over the almost the last 11 years of doing this, everybody says, Pastor, God gave me a word, and I don't know what to do next. Trust him. Trust him. Walk, walk, in, your walk in your faithfulness to him. Because whatever he puts in your hand, guess what? He can do what he wants to with it. I've realized that you have to worship him, that you have to serve him, that you have to live for him with your hands wide open. Oh, come on, somebody. I'll do that. Oh, man, that family, they came into the church. They was plugged in for about a month, and now they're gone. Oh, Lord, hey, Lord said, hey, that's, that's cool. I'll bring somebody else. Hey, oh, come on. I'll receive that. I'm always trying to, and, 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 and the interesting thing, and the interesting thing about that kind of faith is that it, it just, it cancels out your prayer. God, I, God, I, true, I trust you. Nah, never mind. Hmm. Lord, I'm coming to you. God, I'm, oh, I'm, man, I, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm coming. You gave me this word. Now I'm going to go figure it out on my own. Never mind. The Bible says the moment that God took Abram outside of the tent, told him, he said, count as many stars as you can. Because that's what I'm going to do for you. Just trust me. The Bible says that Abram will die in peace, not in worry. God, he, he, God calmed, oh my goodness, I saw this angle when I was reading the text. God calmed Abram with a promise. Didn't worry him. 
He didn't, he didn't, we didn't worry him further. He calmed, he calmed him with the word. So when you get the word, may peace be still over your life. When you get the word, may calm be, st- be still over your life. Don't make you start doing more stuff because you got a word from God. Trust him for it. Trust him for it. There's, come on, somebody. There's, there's, there's comfort in your promise. So my question for you is this. Super simple, but it's going to sting. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Do you love the thing you're promised more than the God who gave it to you? Ask yourself that one. Do you love? Ooh, we're going to sit there for a second. Do you love the thing you're promised more than the God who gave it to you? Are you obsessing over your amount of viewers or are you in prayer with God? Do you go to sleep begging God for the promotion or are you saying, Lord, I love you? Are you obsessing over the platform that you want to stand on one day or saying, Lord, I love you? Lord, I love you. Do you love the thing you're... It's a question that you have to... And I have to to ask myself this question all the time. Lord, is 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 my heart right with you? Or am I just seeking you out because of what you can do for me? Am I good as a follower of Jesus if you did nothing else? Somebody might not come back because of that one, Patrick. I tell people this all the time. The only thing, the only thing that you are promised as a follower of Jesus is salvation. I promise you can't promise. I will never stand up here and tell you that you're going to get something else. I, in Jesus' name, I pray that you do, that you can help advance the kingdom forward. Come on, somebody, with your fame. Ask yourself the question. Do you love the thing you're promised more than the God who gave it to you? Think about that, family. Every single time you get frustrated, am I, am I after God or am I after the thing? Am I after the, am I after the Father? Am I after the, am I after, am I after, am I after the Father's heart or am I after the inheritance? The question that you have to ask yourself. What am I, what am I after? What am I after? What am I cha- What am I after? What's keeping me up or not? What am I after? But this, this reminds you, this, there's, com- there's comfort in what you're promised. You find comfort because God is the comfort. Let me pray for us. Will you just lift a hand to heaven with me? God and Father, we thank you right now for who you are. God, you see every hand that's lifted. You see every heart that's open. There's promises that you're bringing in right now. There's things that you're taking out. May your children walk out of here today being okay with your will. Being on fire for your will. Being on fire for your ways. That they'll find supernatural comfort in what you promise. There's a word you're giving every single person in here right now. May they find peace in it. May they find peace in it. May they find hope in it. Not because of the abundance of the promise, but because of the blood of Jesus. Will you give them courage to see it through? Father, draw us closer into you. Holy Spirit, do a supernatural work on our heart. 
God, we give all things to you. We give our minds to you. We give our relationships to you. We give our friends to you. We give our children to you. We give our career to you. We give, we give our promises to you. We give our sacrifices unto you. We give our mind unto you. We give our spirit unto you. We give our worry unto you. We give our darkness unto you. We give it all to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, family, let's make some noise today.